Hi Moonies, welcome to the Sailor Moon Fan Club Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria L. Johnson, and I'm here with Weird Enough Productions CEO, Tony Weaver Jr. He's the creator of the comic book series, The Uncommons, and he helps educators develop curriculums that encourage social-emotional learning, literacy, and digital citizenship. He was also named Forbes 30 Under 30 for education, a history shaker by Coca-Cola, and a national barrier breaker by Marriott International. And of course, he's a Sailor Moon fan, so I'm really happy to have him on. Hey, Tony, how you doing? I am doing well. It's going to be a fun time. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm Yeah, this is going to be great. Um, so what was your first memory of watching Sailor Moon? Um, I think coming home and seeing it on TV. Um, I was a really big cartoon fan, and I think that Sailor Moon is one of those shows where if you like anime, you were watching anime before you were told that it was anime Mm -hmm. does that make sense definitely (laughs) you didn't you didn't you didn't know that it was anime but later on you go oh i've been watching something like that all along and i think that that was my first that was my first experience with the show yeah yeah i think that was definitely my experience also like watching sailor moon and dragon ball z like that whole tsunami block. Is that the same thing you're talking about? Yes, I mean, yeah. exactly. The whole tsunami block. Yeah. And I don't think I realized what anime even was until like maybe a few years later. And when I was just like, oh, like probably like looking up like shows like Sailor Moon on Google and then like coming across like anime list or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you feel when you first saw it? Like, what were you thinking? Um, I personally, I have an aesthetic. And I can look back and go, wow, you've you've had an aesthetic for a while. And mm-hmm. I really like color-coded teams. At any point in time, anything where I look at it and I'm like, oh, there's a group of them and they all have corresponding colors and matching <laughs> outfits. All right, I'm going to have a great time. This is going to be wonderful. You, you got me. I'm here. You got me. Um, and I think that that was the first thing. I think that was the first thing that caught me. Um, something that I think a lot of people can relate to when it comes to anime that we watch on Toonami is that I didn't live in a household where I had the flexibility to watch the same show at the same time every day, mm-hmm. nor was I a person that uh, could definitively say that when I was younger, I started watching a show from the first episode onwards. So I got dropped into Sailor Moon after the crew had already like met up Um and I think my first impression was, I like I like this color coordination. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of this. And then of course transformation sequences. Like how can you, how can you not? Any the thing I say about Sailor Moon is like, they really got their money's worth out of those animation sequences. They were like, listen, this was really expensive, and you're gonna watch <laughs> it every episode. Don't forget how much money I spent on this. You think that's what the chance that they show this is a transformation sequence in every episode? Like, this was a lot of money, so we're going to get our money's worth. From a production perspective, mm-hmm. it had to be. Like, if I, if I was a producer and they came to me and said, okay, so here's the move. We want it to really stand out when the characters transform into their, uh, into their more powerful forms. So I got this idea for this very color-intensive, motion-intensive, um, rotoscoping all the sparkles, just all of it. Um, it's only going to last like 30 seconds, but it's going to cost the budget of half of an episode. As a producer, <laughs> I'd be like, you can have it, but I'm playing it every episode. 
Every single one. You, yeah. You don't see this. I yeah, I I get that. That makes actually a lot of sense. I think too, it's just like even though it was in every episode, I don't think I ever got tired of seeing it. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think I get tired of the new transformations. The older mm-hmm. ones, like in the OG version of the show, I remember sometimes thinking to myself, are they for real just gonna stand there while she <laughs> while she just spins and sparkles if you this might be a, a good opening for an attack but for the but for the newer ones like some people don't like crystal i like how i can i can get behind it i like to Moon crystal mm-hmm. and the transformation sequences in crystal you could tell that they were like oh you thought we had budget back then wait till you see this budget now boy <laughs> i got thunderbolts and fire and water typhoons moving all throughout this transformation and those i never get tired of right yeah now crystal definitely grew on me i yeah you're right they are a little bit more elaborate in some ways yeah um did you have a sailor scout or senshi like you wanted to be or that you liked so i'll say that i'm a i'm a sailor v fan Mm -hmm. just because from the beginning my thought process was always, why is she not leader of the group again? <laughs> I'm a little confused because she seems to demonstrate the temperament, leadership abilities, and overall combat skills required to lead the squad, but she's choosing not to. And of course, as I watched the show further, I went, you know what? She was just doing her job. Can't even hate. That's a mm-hmm. mature thing to do. Do your job. Protect the princess. You. It is what it is. But... Growing up watching it, I think I was always a Sailor V fan. Um, most of my friends are Sailor Jupiter fans, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I get it, I understand it. Jupiter yeah. has some, uh, she has, she has some nice qualities. I wouldn't pick a fight with her, but I think there's something about Sailor V that I like in terms of the leader perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of characters that uh are really similar to the main character but just one step ahead in some capacity like um i really like the comic book hero spider-man 2099 who's like Mm -hmm. yeah i'm from the future and i'm just better than your traditional spider-man or how silver the hedgehog is like yeah i'm from the future of course i'm cooler than sonic or i don't know if you're a one piece fan but i I think sabo is better than ace like i'm a huge sabo fan I'm wow. like, why Why don't more people talk about Sabo just in general? Um, so Sailor, Sailor V does that for me. She she fits that niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, that makes a lot of sense too, especially since she was like the first Sailor Scout. Like she had a little bit more experience before any of the others even figured out they were Sailor Scouts. Um, that's interesting though about Sabo though. I don't know. That's hard. I do love Sabo too, and I don't think he gets as much love as he deserves. Like his whole character is cool. Like him being a part of like the secret organization that's like trying to tear down the government is cool. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if I'd put him above Ace. That's that's hard. I had a conversation with someone about this, um, and I said, "Here's why I can't. Here's why I can't stand Ace the way that other people stand Ace. Basically." Mm-hmm. I recognize his significance as a character, but when you think about it, spoiler alert for people that don't watch One Piece. Yeah, um, sorry. A- Ace's <laughs> death was kind of his fault. Mm, like, Luffy yeah. went through 
tore through Impel Down, gets to the Navy headquarters, and Ace, while locked in Sea Prism Stone handcuffs, watches an entire army of his closest allies get massacred just to get to him. And he turns around and stops running away because Akainu, a a habitual trash talker, just talks a little bit more trash. I'm like, bro, you should, what are you doing? Go home with your brother. Why? (laughs) I I was like, Sabo would never. Sabo would never. (laughs) As a matter of fact, when he was in, um, when he was in Dress Rosa and, um, and Burgess was talking smack during their fight, Sabo was like, I'm not even here for you. And like left. And I'm like, a a king, truly, (laughs) truly a king. That's fair. That is fair. I mean, I do think like, I always forget just how young these characters are sometimes. I give them a little leeway, but it is like, we went through all this and you really gonna die because you like did it. Could have walked away from a fight. White beard pirate gang get murked. That was a war. The giant giant fell down and we had to walk (laughs) over his body just to get on the same platform as you. Like, it was sad. And you have the audacity to turn around. Bro, mm -mm, can't do Mm -hmm. it. That's fair. Um, yeah, that was just epic. Yeah. So I saw you're a Shonen fan. I'm getting, I'm seeing, Very obviously you so. are. Yes. What else are you reading or watching? So right now, um, something that's been really interesting while writing Beyond Commons is that as I write, I'm recognizing areas in my writing style or in my knowledge base where I say, you know, I don't think I have as much context for this as I want to have. So I'm going back and rewatching things or reading things that I haven't read before to give me a little bit more, uh, to give me a little bit more expertise in that area. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, I'm watching one piece right now. I'm on episode 792. So a little, like a little over a hundred episodes left until I'm caught up, which yeah. feels ridiculous to say, but yeah. Um, I started watching One Piece to look at large-scale world building uh, and how Oda, as an author, uh, kind of raises the stakes from arc to arc without it feeling like, oh, and there's this villain that's powerful enough to destroy the world, <laughs> but you didn't hear about this one. Like, he, he does it in a way that feels organic. The world in One Piece, every location we go to, nothing feels out of the ordinary for me and everything feels novel. So I want to that's something that I want to bring into the uncommons as the story expands. Um, there's an old manga that got an anime adaptation so long ago that I can't bring myself to watch the adaptation called Air Gear, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where they um, they have they have like hover roller skates. It's like um, it's like Jet Set Radio, but without a lot of the hip hop aesthetic. Right. And I've been reading that to get a look at how they do action on the page because we have some stuff coming up in the uncommons where there are going to be a lot of air sequences. And I want to see, I want to see how they do that. Um, I'm finishing Magi, which beautiful. Um, I wish the anime got a continuation and to this day. I still have no idea why it didn't get a continuation, but I'm finishing the manga. And then the last one is a more sportsy Ice Shield 21 um, because Everybody talks about Ice Shield 21. I watched Kuroko No Basket and I loved it. I literally finished it and went and bought eight inch figures of 
the of everyone on the generation of miracles. I was like, this show is wonderful. Uh, I don't know why this wasn't in my life before, and I honestly resent all of my friends for not making me aware that this was a thing earlier. Um, and people are like, if you like Kuroko, then then you'll like I Shield Twenty One. I'm I'm reading I Shield Twenty One while I wait for Haikyuu to finish because I'm not getting caught up in a show that is to be continued. Not Haikyuu because the hiatus is for that show are really long. Yeah. Man, that's a lot. Yeah. All of those are good. <laughs> I am on episode like 800 and something in One Piece. I have about 40 episodes to go, which also to me sounds like, how did I even get here? This felt like impossible. Whole Cake is a really good arc. I'm only at mm. the beginning, but I'm mm -hmm. enjoying it a lot so far. Yeah. There's something about the way that Big Mom is set up as a villain mm -hmm. that makes me feel especially after after doflamingo like doflamingo is literally the the equivalent of like i'm evil and now i will laugh now <laughs> yeah you thought i, I couldn't be more evil watch this like yes again he, yeah he's the he's the epitome of like yo i'm a terrible person and mm -hmm. you're gonna regret crossing paths with me whereas big mom you get to her domain and you think to yourself you know it seems like people are happy here. Why aren't they? Oh, oh, <laughs> that's why. That's ah, why. Always a catch in One Piece. Yeah, it's always, all, always a catch. I think that one cool thing about the Uncommons is that we managed to take a lot of these anime themes mm -hmm. and add some flair to them. And I, I guess I guess the word would be add some cultural flair to them. Because have you ever mm -hmm. have you ever watched an anime or seen a moment in an anime? And your first thought is like, oh, that definitely wouldn't happen if this character was black. Ain't no way. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. That happens to me <laughs> like with a lot of shows. That's not going down. Yeah. It's not going down like that at all. Um, yeah. Or even shows that are set really far in the past where a lot of the conflict of the show is partially the fact that it's in the past. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm in love with this person, but he he's away at sea, and my my love will carry on. And in my head, I'm like, you know, this is compelling to watch and everything. But you know, if this happened today, you could just text him. I feel mm -hmm. like the the tension is a little artificial. Um, but in the uncommons, what we try to do is add some of those cultural components because I think that when you incorporate when you incorporate culture into your work and you really do your best to incorporate diversity in a way that's not just, hey, this character has darker skin, but more of diversity of experiences, diversity of upbringings, diversity of thought processes, then mm -hmm. what ends up happening is that for people that are a part of that culture, they get it. Um, they feel seen. They feel recognized. And for people that aren't a part of the culture, it's a new experience for them. Like um, with the Uncommons, uh, one of our characters, influencer, when he's in his like civilian form, he has a he has a box cut that's like perfectly flat all the time, perfectly mm -hmm. flat all the time. And I think some anime characters have these really complex hairstyles. Like Yugi has a really cool hairstyle, and it's just like that always. But with influencer, we threw some we we added cultural components to it because he's very much like, no, I can't do that because I need to go get my hair cut. Do you know that you? Do you know how much upkeep is required for me to keep my hair like this 
at all times. And there's one point in time where one of them goes to the barbershop with him. We have like a little short that's a, that's not a part of the main story where one of them goes to the barbershop with him. And it's like the white kid walks into the barbershop and sits down and looks and sees that like iconic chart of 30 black hairstyles <laughs> on the wall. And is like, what is what is this? I didn't know there were this many hairstyles. I never see this many black hair options in the video games that I play. And influencers like, yeah, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't, dude. Right. Um, think about that. I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um, I think as a writer, that's what that's what I try to do to take to take some of the things in Shonen that we really like, mm-hmm. but add cultural components to make people from marginalized communities feel seen and create a more rich experience overall for the reader. Yeah. And then you mentioned talking about the uncommons. Um, so if you can just give like a little bit of history, like how did you come up with weird enough productions and then how did the idea for the uncommons come about in the first place? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, weird enough productions is my organization. Um, I started it when I was a junior in college uh, because I felt as though there was a, there was an overwhelming need for diverse stories overwhelming so overwhelming need for diverse stories there's a need for new narratives and i didn't feel like anybody was doing it justice i felt like the systems that existed uh, were ones where occasionally we get a cool film or or a cool piece of content but i didn't feel like i I didn't feel like they were operating at their greatest potential so weird enough was supposed to be my way of saying hey i'm gonna build this institution from the ground up that is rooted in uplifting diverse voices telling stories that aren't traditionally told and taking the mediums that we know and love and showing how those mediums can be enhanced if we're given not just a seat at the table, but like the whole table, just give me the, Mm -hmm. you can have a seat at my table and watch (laughs) and see how we do things. Right. Um, And uh, one of the first things that we, that we did it weird enough was this comic, the uncommons. I mean, the uncommons tells the story of a group of unlikely outsiders that have to save each other to save the world. So our main character, Iris is uh, this, West African girl who has a vision where she predicts a great calamity that threatens all life. She has no idea what it is. She has no idea where it's coming from, but she knows that if she doesn't do something about it, we're in trouble. Uh, So she goes to the scene of her vision, Delta City, uh, and starts to build a team of people to combat uh, this evil that many of them don't understand. But as she gets the team together, what she finds out is that all of them have something in their past that they're running from and that they want to face the future ahead of them. They're going to have to settle that first. And then how many issues do you have out? So currently I want to, so we, we put the comic on Webtoon. Um, On Webtoon, I want to say today we are on around issue number seven in Webtoon. Internally, we are writing issue number... 17 right now so internally we're pretty far ahead i have to i have to keep i have to keep an eye on what i say when i talk to people um yeah but we we update the we update on webtoon every monday wednesday and friday um and like i said we're working on issue number 17 internally we have a lot of content a lot of story to tell so it's not gonna be one of those things where you read a comic and you're like, wow, this is wonderful. I love it. And you get to the end of issue number one and you're like, when's issue number two coming? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know. Maybe I'll do another Kickstarter in like eight months. I have no idea. Um, yeah, the consistency rough. is something that's really important for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it gets rough with independent comics 
specifically where it's like oh, i love this issue it's like when's the next one coming out but like i get on the other hand like it takes time and money and people have jobs and you know but that's awesome that you're doing it that way i did read the first few issues but i try i try not to read too much because i'm the same way like i'll give away spoilers without like thinking about it so i'm like let me remain like a little bit ignorant and like read the first few um just so like i know what's going on but um so I don't give away spoilers by accident for anyone who wants to read it. Um, so yeah. I'm the worst about spoilers, just in yeah. general. If I get too excited in a conversation with someone, I'll be like, yeah, in five issues from now, she's gonna. <laughs> and my team's like, chill, 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 chill. I need you to Actually, stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just like, I'll just talk. And I'm like, wait, did that happen in the recent issue? Or did that happen? Like, was that a flashback? Like, when, like, when, when did that happen? Right. I just lose context of time, and I'm like, when did what issue did that happen again? Was that the first issue? Was that the fifth issue? Yeah, um, but yeah, so how did so? I love the idea. Like, they have in order to save the world, they have to save each other, and I'm kind of seeing that with like in the first few issues, like with Iris, she's talking to the influencer, and she's like trying to get him to kind of believe in himself a little bit or like be true to himself again. Does that seem right? Am I getting the themes right? Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. what we say about influencer is that he's someone that has millions of fans, but he's not a fan of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea, uh, the idea behind his, um, the idea behind his arc is supposed to be uh, the ability that people have to grow, uh, the ability that people have to move beyond their insecurities, and how that's really where their power lies. Right. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And um, seeing, like, him being, like, really popular and, like, you know, on social media apps and stuff, but also, like, kind of, like, the the comments and stuff get to him. And it makes sense, like, if you are someone who tries to be, like, someone who influences others, who tries to be a positive person for other people, but it's, like, on the flip side, like, every take in everything really easily to a degree. Yeah, it has... Mm-hmm. I, I think that for the Uncommons, what mm-hmm. we wanted to do was create a story that was relevant with the themes that are going on today, mm-hmm. like something something that really people could relate to when they look at the world around them and what's currently taking place in it. I think social media is something that has blown up in a major way. And I uh, there was an interview that took place with one of the former with a with a former Facebook executive and what he said was I think we broke humanity. He was wow. like I I think we broke it. I think that we took the need for human validation and added technology in a place where we shouldn't have and broke it. Um mm-hmm. and I and I think that that's something that like it's really easy to see and observe. Like you see people on Twitter that'll see a tweet that's popular or save it wait a couple of weeks and then repost the same tweet, get thousands of retweets and then go under the tweet and be like, ha ha, if you thought this was funny, follow me for more. And you're like, what am I following you for? You didn't even come up with this. What, <laughs> what am I following you for? Are people that have Instagram pages that do nothing but repost other people's art? And mm-hmm. then you look in their bio and their bio is like, DM me for promo or shout out prices. <laughs> right. And it's like, what am I? why am I paying you for anything? This entire, this entire infrastructure is built on you 
stealing stuff from other people. Like you didn't actually make anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of the space that we're in. People leverage these online audiences and communities as a way to like, as a way to come up, as a way to get some sort of uh, hypothetical brand deal or something mm-hmm. like that. But we're not actually engaging with each other. It's more about what thing can I repeat over and over again to get people to follow me so that I can prove that I'm worthy enough for somebody else to cut me a check so that I can promote this thing that I've never actually used before. And when you look at that at scale, it doesn't have the most positive impact on people. And influencers arc is supposed to show, well, what happens when you're caught up in that? What, how, how, how does that go? Is there anything that you can really do? Right. Yeah, I love that. It's it's so true for where we are. I mean, I've seen people too, like they'll, you know, pay for followers or, you know, they'll buy an account with a lot of followers just to like have that outward facing, you know, popularity. It's a really strong message. Um, I really love that too. Like the uncommons, as you said, before we started re- recording, um, it's like it's standalone comic on its own. Um, but it can also be used like a lot of comics can be used to kind of send messages and kind of like as an educational tool to say like, hey, like you read this comic, but like also like here's some things you can pull from it. And here's some ideas you can pull from it. Um, yeah. yeah, I just think that's it's really cool. And then I saw recently that you made it free for educators and students as well. I thought um, what was the inspiration behind that? So my mom's an educator. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the people in my life are teachers, principals, regional superintendents, people at the district level, um, in education communities. So I kind of I grew up in education. Um, I grew up looking at how the education infrastructure impacts people. And what I say is that in general, uh, the public education system hasn't always been the best place for me, but it's always been a safe place for me uh, because my mom's a principal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm in the principal's office every day because that's just where my mom is. I go hang out with my mom. Um, since my mom was an educator, I've always in some way, shape or form had some sort of advocate on a very high level in the education system. So mm-hmm. even if I was at a school where someone was mistreating me or a faculty member was doing something incorrectly, my mom could, pop up or with one phone call shut something down but for a lot of kids especially black kids the public education system is not a safe place it is not a place where you feel like you're free to be your whole self uh it's not a place where it's not a place where uh you're nurtured and cultivated to grow into the person that the world needs you to be um Mm -hmm. and understanding that my idea was, well, how can I take this comic that's intended to help people grow and use it to help people that don't necessarily have that opportunity? Um, so that's where a, a large idea for the educational component of our work came from. Because honestly, I feel like every piece of media that we consume teaches us something. I feel right. like we're, alway, we're always learning, whether mm-hmm. we want to acknowledge it or not. There's, al- there's always a part of us that's, that's, learning, uh, that, that's learning something. Um, so you, you look at kids in that are like eight years old that watch a bunch of Dragon Ball Z, they get upset. They, they put their arms to the side and they start yelling and lean their head back. It's like, you learn that somewhere, right. you learn that, um, <laughs> you, 
you 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 picked that up from somewhere that you just you did you didn't just intuitively start going super saiyan man you picked that up somewhere <laughs> um so my idea was if we're always learning then how do i tell a story that can help somebody be better and i think time and time again anime does that like mm-hmm. i have a or not just anime cartoons as well i have a friend um who quite frankly is one of the kindest people that i know he's always been one of the kindest people that i know but when we were in college, I saw significant shifts and changes in his personality and the way that he tried to be empathetic and understand people. And when I said something to him about it, he was like, yeah, man, I don't know. It's something about Steven Universe that got me thinking uh, about how people are people and they just need love sometimes, even if they're not the kindest person when you first meet them. Um, wow. Or mm-hmm. how many, like how many people do you know that quote the scene where uh rockley takes off the weights yeah like that does something to people right it means something mm-hmm. and for for me i wanted to write a story that would have that ability so for example we talked about influencer in issue number two i think there's a conversation where uh iris and influencer are talking and she's like i i need your help like i don't i don't know what this thing is but i i need your help an mm-hmm. influencer says, like, I don't actually do anything. You know that, right? Like, I, I don't actually help anybody. I say motivational words and people get the courage to fight their own battles. Mm-hmm. I can't, lo- they say, uh, if you lose, then people stop believing in you. But I can't lose a fight if I'm not the one that's fighting. Yeah. So you get a person who has essentially said, listen, if I step into the fray or I stand up for something or I stand up for what I believe in or I say no to something that I know is wrong, people aren't going to rally behind me as much as they would if I was just being ambiguous. So I'm sorry, I can't because I need those people behind me for whatever reason. So for you to take that and link it to a lesson plan or an activity about doing the right thing, even when it's hard. Right. Even when you know it's going to upset some people, even when you know there are some people that are going to disagree with you. Or if you if you look at Iris, Iris's ability, literally, she has enhanced visual powers. She sees energies, details and outcomes. She has a vision. No one else believes her, but she knows that she has to do something about it. What happens if you take that and you attach it to a project around how you got to trust your gut and how sometimes everybody isn't going to see the things that you see, but you can't let that weaken your convictions. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are things that, that people in general need to hear, but for kids, I think it's something that could be really helpful for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's really powerful. As I've said, um, you mentioned your mom being an educator and I thought it was interesting cause I, I watched your TED talk where you talked about a teacher thinking that you plagiarized something. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that must've been rough. Um, how was that? Like, what, is, what was that process like? Um, I think that writing is something that I've always liked to do. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I, it's something that I didn't know was my, was my gift. Like, I'm like, everybody writes, we get assigned things to write. I got to write these papers. I got to write these reports and these assignments. I'm mm-hmm. always writing. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Um, but when I was in middle school, I got assigned a paper to write. And when I wrote it, I think it was one of the first times for an assignment, my thought process as I was doing it was, 
I don't know. This kind of slaps. This is kind of, mm. I don't, this is heat. Like right. I remember typing it and being like, I don't know, man. You, you might have done something, here. bro. Mm-hmm. You might have done something. Um, <laughs> I brought it to class really excited. And you ever had those moments where like, generally when a teacher grades something, you're like, man, I don't even want to know. But when it's an assignment that you know you did well, you know you threw down on it, you're like, go ahead, pass that paper back. Mm-hmm. Pass it back. Let me see that. Are you done grading the papers? Right. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Pass, pass <laughs> Are you good? Back. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I got my paperback and I was expecting a grade, but instead I got a note uh, from, from the teacher asking me to talk to them after class. Um, and various parts of my paper kind of circled and underlined saying like, oh, did you write this? Did you, did you do this? Um, and that as an experience is one that was really negative for me because I'm like, oh, am I not supposed to be able to do this? Am mm-hmm. I not supposed to... Am I not supposed to have these capabilities, especially because when when you're really excited about something and you give that to someone that you trust and the feedback that you get is number one, not what you expect, but is also something that's tangibly negative. I write this paper and as my literature teacher, I'm really happy and hopeful that you're going to look at what I'm doing and be happy about it. But instead, you're like, it's probably one even you. (laughs) Right. Wow. Is that that what we're doing now? Yeah. Um, that kind of that kind of thing, I think it can make you doubt yourself sometimes. And in the uncommons, we see our characters have to traverse that level of doubt. Like, what mm-hmm. what issue did you get to? I got to issue five. Okay, cool. So let me mm-hmm. think. Let me think. Mm-hmm. Issue five, five, five. Mm-hmm. So like they're fighting the um the villain who came down. Did the train scene happen yet? The uh, mm-hmm. train scene happens like at the end of five, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what? Yeah. So what I was about to reference, I can't because I think it happens in like issue number seven. But mm-hmm. um, what I will say is that um, the doubt that Iris has isn't doubt that she just suddenly came up with out of nowhere. There was a person that was in her life whom she was whom she was very close to that planted those seeds of doubt, mm-hmm. um, and the she respects that person's word so much that that person doubting her makes her doubt herself. Mm-hmm. And through this arc, of course, she's like fighting villains and she's building a team and she's being a leader. But there's also something there's also something personal that she's overcoming. Um, and I feel like that's certainly Sailor Moon equivalent or adjacent. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like I think. Sailor Moon with Usagi slash Serena, we see her like doubting herself and not thinking she can be the leader. And, you know, there's a few episodes like that where she's like, I can't do this. I don't know why I'm this person. There's even some like doubt amongst the other Sailor Sentry sometimes. Like, Mars is like, I should be the leader. And even you're, you're like, Venus should have been the leader, you know? Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. But then it's like, no, like, this is you. This is your role. Like, this is what you're meant to do. So, like, you got this. You just got to have the faith and put in the work exactly it's something that you have to mm-hmm. step into i think that mm-hmm. everybody has a what's the word i think everybody has something that they can bring to the world that only they can bring and if mm-hmm. they don't if they choose not to then the world is fundamentally going to be missing something and i think that throughout yeah. our lives we have tangible opportunities to either make a decision and say 
I'm going to step forward and I'm going to do this thing, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to recoil back and be afraid. And the, the contrast between Iris and influencer in early parts of the uncommons is meant to demonstrate clearly that Iris is like, I am scared out of my mind, but something's got to be done. So I'm going to do it. And influence is like, I'm scared out of my mind. So I'm not going to do anything. And that's <laughs> cool too. <laughs> and I, I think that the moral is like, no, that's not, that is not also cool. Right. Stop it. Do things. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely agree. Like I've seen um, like news stories about someone who does like, um, I forgot what they're called, but like, I guess like token booth clerks or, you know, when you're like driving, when you uh-huh. have to like pay the toll. And, like, there was one guy, he was, like, so happy. And people were like, yeah, he brightens my day. Like, he is, like, the best, like, at this thing. And I'm like, that was, like, job was made for him. Like, you know, like, like there's definitely something everyone has to contribute to the world. And... You understand how cool you have to be to make somebody excited to pay a toll in the Right? Morning. Exactly. Like, like this I guy... leave the house trying to not spend money. I leave exactly. the house, like, I, when I leave the house, I talk to myself like my mom. Don't ask for none because you ain't getting nothing. <laughs> right. And then you you see a, the toll guy and you're like, you know what? This is yeah. fine. This is mm-hmm. nice. You got it, bro. Yeah. Like, that's like his thing. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, And, yeah, definitely sucks that he had the plagiarism thing. I had a similar story, but we'll get into it. Um, But now I think it's amazing because now you have like your writing being read across the world it's on webtoon it's in bookstores i saw pictures of you at phantom comics yeah and dc which is one of my favorite comic book stores they're amazing Uh, they are amazing i went there and immediately felt welcome and at home and it was a great experience phantom was my first like hometown comic shop i'm from atlanta Mm -hmm. in atlanta Mm -hmm. people might disagree with me but this is just my experience i don't think atlanta Atlanta doesn't have many comic shops to begin with, and the ones that they do have are like few and far between. Um, and the ones that I went to, I didn't particularly feel a community uh, kind of uh, feeling there. But when I went to Phantom, I was like, "Oh, I'll be back next week. Let me mm-hmm. let me pull up. Let me go ahead, add me to your regular list, sir, because <laughs> right. yeah. I'm gonna be here." That's how I felt too. Like it was the first comic book store. I was like, "Oh, y'all got some events going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come check out the the right. Dungeons and Dragons night. I, I'm gonna come for this comic book reading." It's like I bought my dice. I'm like, "Let's let's yes, go, please let's go." Yeah, no, I love them. Um, but yeah, but how does it feel to have like your work everywhere? I think that I feel happy, and I have to remind myself to. I have to remind myself to be content with what we've been able to accomplish so far. Mm-hmm. Like we've uh, we've worked with schools across 14 states. We've been able to bring our programs to over 40,000 students. Uh, we were uh, we were featured at the Black Comic Book Festival in Harlem. And mm-hmm. also from a writing perspective, I think that it's a blessing for me as a Black comic author for my first comic to go okay, so the comic that I'm writing is one that I want to write. I'm Mm -hmm. making it from scratch. I'm taking my time. I'm working with the artists that I want. And now in less than two years, we're 17 issues in. 
and there's nobody that's telling me, no, you can't do that. No, you can't write that. And I don't have to go do a Kickstarter when I want issue number two or issue number three. I can mm-hmm. pay my staff more than what Marvel pays their illustrators. Like wow. what we're doing right now is low key, really unprecedented. Like I don't, on paper, one may go, how though? How does right. that, how does that work? Like, how do you, how do you do that? I get to work with some really talented people um, from around the world that I get to call my collaborators and my friends. And I'm happy about it, but I think I want us to go further. Um, mm-hmm. I want us to go further. I think by the end of the year, I want an Uncommons animated series to be in development. Um, and I think that something that I'm always trying to improve at is letting more people know about what we're doing. Um, like early, earlier, we I, I told you about how I, I made that mention of pages where literally all they do is just repost other people's art repost other people's art and yeah. like i roast those people rightfully so because i think this should be roasted uh mm-hmm. but if you go look at my feed right now i would even talk about the uncommons that much like i might post about the comic once a week or so it's really hard to get me on social media because i think it get toxic for me really easy mm-hmm. um and i i think that for our steps forward i have to take a little bit of my own advice and be like Iris and recognize that there's something that has to be done. If this comic is something I think can positively impact the world, I got to move past whatever the the insecurities or the hesitation is for leveraging social media and, and go do it and go get it. Right. Yeah. That sounds epic. Yeah, definitely. I love that you're speaking it into existence. Um, I will be on the lookout for that announcement. The end, by the end of the year oh it's going down it's definitely going down i i am i'm gonna have my google alerts ready <laughs> if you could have a crossover episode i'm gonna say episode animated episode uh-huh. with um a superhero from the uncommons mm-hmm. a superhero from any other comic book series an anime series um and a video game which four people would you choose Hmm. one from each so one from the uncommons one from another comic one from an anime and one from a video game Mm -hmm. and if you want you can choose a a one shonen and one non-shonen anime character if that makes it yeah that 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 helps me a little bit so i think um iris i have to bring iris along obviously Mm -hmm. um She's great. I love the other members of the Uncommons, but Iris was the first one that we developed. So, like, whenever I think of the series, I'm like, all right, come on. Right. Of course, Iris is going to be there. Um, comics, I'd say uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. Mm, yeah, I feel like great. her. I feel like her and Iris would get along. Definitely, both have the same uh, kind of optimistic sensibilities and an understanding of responsibility that is suddenly thrust upon you. Mm -hmm. um for anime characters if i had to pick a shonen then i would say that i would put the two of them with my brain's like sabo say sabo i'm like (laughs) no that's not that doesn't count that's not that's not a good ship at all i don't know what you're doing i Um, mean it could be an interesting interaction i mean it's sabo Everywhere yeah. Sabo appears, it's gonna be wonderful. <laughs> but you know, I gotta 
got mm-hmm. got to got got to pick something that so something that that makes a little bit more sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Deku would be nice to them. Oh. Like the three of them would be a really nice group. Like Miss Marvel, Iris, and Deku just hanging out. It'd be like, oh, you're so kind. No, you're so kind. No, you're so right. kind. No, like you're nice so fest. kind. Yeah. yeah, it'd be <laughs> it'd be really nice. And then for video game characters to round it out, I would pick mm-hmm. Mega Man EXE from Mega Man Battle Network. Nice. And just have and have him come hang out. I think that I think that between the four of them, that'd be a really fun time. I have no idea what yeah. they'd do. Like they probably wouldn't leave the house. They'd just be like, This is nice. Let's drink hot <laughs> cocoa and watch movies. Yeah. I um I spoke with um Stephanie Williams, Steph I will in a previous episode, and she um mentioned how like you can basically place every character in the living single like um yep. setting and like it would work. And yeah, I um, yeah. So I, I totally watched that. I'd love to see all of those people, all those characters in one you place. Know, we're just hanging out. We're just yeah, hanging just out, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> and what advice would you have for anyone who wanted to start their own comic book, or write their own comic book, or start their own company? Um. This is going to be weird. If you want to start your own company, well, my weird. first word of advice would be don't. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I say lightly, jokingly, but there's mm-hmm. a part of me that's like, you know, if I didn't start this when I was in college, I don't know that I would have done it because mm-hmm. it's very stressful. You lose lots of sleep. There's not a lot of work-life balance in the beginning. Um, I think a lot, I think, if you want to start your own company, make sure that what you want to accomplish by starting your own company is something that you literally can't do in any other way. Mm-hmm. If there is a way for you to do it that doesn't involve starting your own company, then don't do it. Like for me, entrepreneurship was something that I was, uh, what's the word? I didn't choose it. I was compelled to do it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So yeah. it's not, oh boy, being a CEO would be pretty cool. It's more of like, oh, hey, look at what's happening in Ferguson. Media stereotypes are having a tangibly negative benef- um, a tangibly negative impact on the black community. In order to combat that, we need positive narratives. Who's doing that? Why is nobody doing that? I guess I have to do that. How do I do that? Oh, I have to make things. I have to make things. Oh, I need financing. Oh, I need financing. I have to get a business license. What's that? And suddenly Tony <laughs> is a CEO. And it's like, oh, this is what we're doing. Um, (laughs) I think uh, more more practical advice, if you do choose to go down that path, I would say is plan, 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 plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Be very clear about your goal and what you want to accomplish and use that goal. Use where you are and then use your goal as a way to make a little map from where you are to where you want to be. Generally, it's never as complicated as you think it's going to be. And nine times out of 10, there is somebody that's already accomplished something really similar to what you're trying to do. So leverage those people as a blueprint to figure it out. If you go in trying to do everything by yourself and reinvent the wheel, you're never going to get as far as you could get by just like stealing somebody else's car. That's the metaphor that I like to use. Don't reinvent (laughs) the wheel. Steal someone else's car. If it's already there, the model already works. You're trying to get there. Why reinvent the wheel? Just hop in the whip and yeah. skirt skirt it alone. be gone yeah <laughs> yeah just just go um 
if you want to write something, I would say find a team. Mm-hmm. Like everybody talks about mangakas like they're like uh, like they're these divine otherworldly beings. But even Oda has assistance. Horikoshi has assistance. Kishimoto right. has assistance. Everyone has assistance and editors. Like it's it's weird sometimes for someone to think about like Toriyama and him submitting a, a Dragon Ball draft <laughs> and an editor being like, eh, no, try something else. <laughs> but that that's what that's that happens. Like yeah. that's how it goes. During the Android saga, especially, his editors were like, I don't think this is slapping. I think you need to do a little. I think you need to do a little something, something. Yeah. And that's where eighteen and nineteen came from because they were like, "Oh, huh. cool. Let me, let me, let me add some spice in here." Um, but you get people that are writers that say they want to write something and then think that they can go lock themselves in their closet and come out a couple of weeks later with the next like Odyssey or the next One Piece. And mm-hmm. that's really how it goes. Everybody has a team. Everybody needs a team. Um, and if the story that you were telling is one that truly needs to be told, I'd wager that you should be able to win people over to your cause and um, and mobilize people that are ready to participate and, and help create that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'd say. Get a team. Like, I love my team. Um, Hannah Lee and Andy Robles-Valdez are two of the most talented illustrators that I've ever um, been able to work with. And the fact that I get to work with them all the time on this project is is beautiful. Hannah contributes ideas, Andy contributes ideas, and we have a we have a working relationship where I can submit an idea and they'll go, you know, I don't feel like this is the play. I feel like it was two o'clock in the morning and you really wanted this script to be done, so you just threw this in here. I don't think that's I don't think that's what we want to do. I don't think I don't think that you're you should be happy with this. And generally, I'll be like, you know what, you're right. Mm-hmm. I was trying to sleep. Let me go. Uh, <laughs> let me go improve things a little bit. Like every, I, I think that Hollywood culture always lifts up one person. It's always mm-hmm. about this one person. It's always like award-winning director, or right. like Golden Globe-nominated actor. And I'm like, eh, I don't think that's generally how it goes. Even Denzel has an acting coach. Like, mm-hmm. you need people. Um, Ava DuVernay has a quote where she says, if your dream only includes you, then you're not dreaming big enough. And I think that that's what it is. If you if you got a story you want to tell, you got something you want to make, the first thing you need to do is go find somebody else to be on the journey with you. And if you can't find anybody else that gets passionate about the story and the way that you are, maybe that should cause some reflection. Right. Yeah, maybe you need to go back to the drawing board for the writing table. <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense yeah i think you definitely need that like someone who can be honest with you and get that honest feedback and make sure you're always on your a game or you're turning in a game work i think oh. very often when we think about creativity there's this concept that people get of like ideal creativity where they're like i want to be so big that i can have this unlimited budget and have an unlimited amount of time to work on it and just go work and nobody will question me until it's done. Frank Ocean, pretty much. They want to be Frank Ocean. Everybody wants to be Frank Ocean. (laughs) Um, But I don't think that's ideal creativity. In my opinion, ideal creativity is when someone is like, yo, 
I have X amount of time. I have X amount of money. I have X amount of resources. What cool thing can I get out of this? Mm-hmm. And the things that tend to come out of that are iconic. So when someone says, hey, I'll give you a spot for this weird adult-themed children's show that you want to make about someone fighting an evil warlord through time, but you only got 11 minutes an episode. And you go, cool, I'll figure it out. And that's how you get Samurai Jack. Like it, the, I feel like constraints help. So if your creative style is one where you go, oh, well, the only way I can do it is if I have nobody holding me accountable and I have an unlimited amount of money, then something's off. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Constraints can help. Um, And yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question. I think you might have answered it, but um, you might remember at the end of every Sailor Moon episode, there was a Sailor Moon says phrase where she would like give a PSA or like, you know, say something that, you know, like a piece of device. So if you had one, what would it be? Like Sailor Tony says. I'm imagining myself like in the in the magical girl transformation wonderful <laughs> beautiful it's amazing yes. I'm, having, I'm having a great time and i would play it every episode truly yes um because it's worth it and you're worth it <laughs> i would say if, if i in into the episode it's like all right before before everybody goes home um i'd say sailor tony says believe in yourself hmm. classic you got to you gotta believe in yourself. And I think um I think I struggle with that sometimes. And the way that I get around it is probably not the most healthy way to do it. But I tell myself, you know, there are people that are a lot less talented than you, aiming a lot higher than you're currently aiming. Are you really gonna let them dunk on you like that? You really gonna do that? Yeah. You gonna let it's... those people dunk on you? Whatever works. Yeah. No, I, I think the same way sometimes where I'm like, I could have did that. Why didn't I do that? The confidence of other people is like astounding. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen on Twitter people that go viral by be by having like one character design of a black character and being like, my show coming soon. And everybody's (laughs) like, what? It's like 50,000 retweets. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We need this for the culture. Somebody tag Netflix, tag Mm -hmm. Crunchyroll, man. We need this. We need this. And I'm chilling over here like, off what character design? <laughs> right. Y'all, uh, we going to Netflix off one character design? So when I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to post on social media about my thing today. There's something in the back of my head that's like, well, if you don't, then the person with one character design is suddenly going to skip right over your 17 mm-hmm. issues worth of work. <laughs> signing that netflix deal right and i'm yeah. like we we can't have that i'm i'm not letting that happen <laughs> hey man we need as much representation as we can get so i'm a root for both of y'all for now <laughs> yeah i hear everybody you everybody everybody's like uh like the the hamilton quote where it's like you know the world is wide enough for both of us the world's wide mm-hmm. enough for both of us to succeed and i'm like you're correct it is but one of us is going to get there first and on god True. if it's you I'm gonna be mad. I ain't gonna be happy about it. <laughs> like the the competitive part of me just won't let that happen. Like you, yeah. you get there first. I'm gonna watch the show. I'm gonna support you and everything. Cause really, mm-hmm. it ain't about you. I ain't right. gonna be mad at you. I'm gonna be mad at me. 
I'd be right. like, well, look, look at what you could have accomplished had you. <laughs> right. <laughs> See what you did. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's healthy, though. I think, you know, like you have to be some sort of like some like. What's the word? Competitive. Yeah. I think you healthy. You need a nemesis. Yeah. Everybody needs a nemesis. Like you need one person in your life where you're like. I respect you as a peer. We're cool. I have no animosity towards you, but I also have a deep-seated desire to make sure that I am at least one step ahead of you at all times. Yeah. Even if, even when I'm one step ahead of you, I will turn around and reach out my hand and pull you forward with me. I'm never mm-hmm. leaving you behind. Yeah. But internally, I always want to be like one. I I got to be like one a, a couple of paces ahead of you. Um. I think that's healthy to have. I have friends that are like that. You, the, uh, there are two artists that I know and their names are escaping me right now. One of them is the one that drew, um, lost children of the day of the diaspora. And the other one is the one that drew, um, what's the noir Cesar fighting manga. Um, Mm. Oh, um, exogenesis. Yeah, Nicholas exogenesis. Draper yeah. Ivy. yeah. So Nicholas Draper, Nicholas Draper, Ivy, mm-hmm. and I want to say the other guy's name is also Tony. It's like, mm. it's like Michael Tony something. But the two of them, they have a thing where it's like, yo, I respect you, but I'm trying to beat you all the time. Right. I need you. I need you to know that. And when they interviewed Nick about exogenesis, they were like, what made you? Like what, what made you do exogenesis? And Nick was literally like, because if I didn't, then he would have, and <laughs> we can't have that. I don't want that. And I, I remember reading that and being like goals, bet. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel that. And the other guy's Michael Tony. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Michael Tony. Yeah. Yeah. So you were, you were right. Ish. But yeah, I've heard of him. I've heard of another project of his. I can't remember. But yeah. I think we're in a really cool place for black creatives right now. So many people are making, and I think that's beautiful. Like um, Geneva Bowers, who does, Mm -hmm. uh, who was our character designer for the Uncommons, uh, has a comic on Webtoon called Hover Girls. It's really amazing. Um, She was on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We talk about Hover Girls. It's episode six, if anyone wants to listen. Yeah, Gen- she's great. Gen- I love her. Geneva's working hard and creating and creating all this amazing stuff. Um, I think that in publishing right now, there's a big focus on middle grade graphic novels, and it's creating a lot of opportunities uh, for Black creatives. Like, for example, Jerry Craft is a, a, a graphic artist who's been drawing comics, honestly, for I, I want to say, like, as long as I've been alive. Don't let him hear me say that because he's my mentor <laughs> and he'll be like, why are you putting me out like right. this? Right. Put my but, business out um, here on the streets. This year he won the, uh, he won the Newberry Prize for, for his graphic novel, New Kid. And number one, like he, he's one of the only black people who have ever won the Newberry Prize, but also is the first graphic novel to ever win the Newberry Prize. And Jerry wow. did that. So it's like, whoa. Where mm-hmm. the the opportunities are there and the the time is now. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna do something, even even if it's just traditional prose, all the cool all the cool stuff that's happening with Children of Blood and Bone, uh, Tristan Strong punches the sky. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much 
there's so much growth happening right now that it's kind of like a mad dash for, yo, how far can we go? How, how far can we push it? And I, I'm happy that I get to be surrounded by all these creatives that are constantly, that are constantly pushing the envelope. Cause it makes me want to reach out and do better and do better and do better. Cause I'm getting there first. I'm doing it. I'm getting there first. Facts. Um, yeah. So if anyone wants to follow your journey to get the announcement, when you, when you get your animation deal, um, where can they find you? Uh, so check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Tony Weaver Jr. Uh, weird enough is at weird enough HQ on most platforms. You can find us on weirdenough.com as well. And our comic, the uncommons is on webtoon. We update Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Wow. That's a lot of updates now. I gotta, gotta all the time, all the time. That was my thought process. I was like, listen, what is the easiest way for me to distinguish myself from other indie comics? I can just drown you with the amount of content that I have. Mm-hmm. that's it it's like how do you distinguish yourself do more and be consistent that's how facts fact 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 facts um yeah and if you want to find me and the podcast you can find me at miss old school with a k and you can find the podcast at moonies club on twitter and moonies underscore club on instagram and that's it thank you so much tony thank you this is really fun i feel like i learned so much <laughs>